Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SWAT radio program here on Monday, February 13th. I'm David Gray, along with my good friend and SWAT brother, Craig Henderson, and we are happy to be with you here live from the Salem Center in Jacksonville, Florida. Doug McCary will be away this week, tending to some family issues that we mentioned last week. Uh, Doug is uh, dealing with some health issues that his parents are having, and so we Appreciate uh, your continued prayers and thoughts for Doug. And um, Doug uh, hopefully will be back next week, but he is in Mississippi uh, tending to his parents and his family um, this week. And Craig, it, it, we haven't been together for a while, but it's great to have you here and uh, great to see you as always. Uh, David, I am honored for the privilege of uh, being here. And uh, we're going to be looking uh, today at uh, Acts 21. 1 to 16, we finally have made it through Acts chapter 20, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 21, verses 1 to 16. But uh, as we usually do here in the first segment, we might uh, look at some things that are that are going on in the world from a uh, kind of a biblical or Christian perspective. Um, there's so much in the news, so many uh, different things that we see about our culture and about things that are going on in the news politically and militarily and economically and Sometimes we try to pick a, an item or two just to kind of look at it from a biblical uh, standpoint. Uh, and the obvious one to pick this morning has nothing to do with anything that serious, but that is the Super Bowl. <laughs> so how did you like the Super Bowl? Did You I, you watched it. Oh, yeah, watched the whole thing. I thought it was quite a game. You know, um, both teams played well, and I thought that, um, you know, they, uh, Patrick Mahomes showed that he is, yeah. when he's close, he can really dial it in. Yeah. Pretty absolutely. amazing. Pretty absolutely. amazing. And he will go down, you know, it'll it'll increase his legend that he got hurt again, you know, shook it off and was able to come out and play, um, you know, with that ankle being re-injured a little bit. And, uh, of course, Jalen Hurts is a great story for the Eagles as well. I, I had kind of forgotten some of the history, you know, in his college football career where he was – Longtime starter for Alabama, I think won a national championship yeah, with them, and then got benched for for Tua, mm-hmm. and um, wound up accepting that, staying at Alabama, but eventually transferred, I think, to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and I believe was twenty six and two as a starter in his college career. So uh, then came to Philadelphia, right, and and had a quarterback battle going on with Carson Wentz, and kind of fought and waited through that, and and. He's a he's a good uh, model of of patience and perseverance. He really had no fear too. He ran the ball a lot into that uh, into that Chiefs defense. Yeah, yeah, he really did. He really did. And and uh, somebody asked him after the game. Um, I think he was being interviewed by this kid who's pretty well known. He's like a teenage reporter who's covered the Super Bowl before. I think he's from Philadelphia, and he asked him about. Um, you know, how bad would he feel about the loss or what would he take from it? Something like that. And and Hertz's response was essentially, well, you can take adversity and you can dwell on it and you can let it linger or you can learn from it. He said, and I'm going to I'm going to try to learn from it and move forward, which I thought was great perspective. And uh, certainly a don't know that he meant it this way, but certainly a biblical principle as well about learning from the uh, the trials that we go through and the way God teaches us. 
Yeah, it really it is to be able to put that behind you and move forward with what God has in store for you yeah. as you look forward. That's right. Any any one commercial? Are you a commercial guy? Do you like the Super Bowl commercials? Oh, yeah. I, I matter of fact, I think I've heard some studies where almost half the people – particularly half the women who watch the Super Bowl watch for the commercials, yeah. watch for the commercials. Yeah. 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 Anyone stand well, out to you? I, um, I was, I actually was looking out for the, he, he gets us commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you and I talked about that a little and, bit before and, we came um, on, you know, and I think the one in the, the second half was, you know, about the, the strife and the, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting how, yeah. uh, how they're, how he's, uh, Jesus is being portrayed and frankly, the opportunity to portray him on an in a stage that large mm-hmm. is something that uh, doesn't happen very. Has, I don't think has ever happened yeah. actually. We were talking about this before we came on the air, and Craig, I think you know a little more about it than I do. But just for those of you who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, there's been some commercials on, and they've been on before the Super Bowl. I've seen them over the last several weeks, um, where it's it's an advertisement for a website or an organization called. He gets us.com and it's about Jesus. Yes. Um, I have not immersed myself in the site or read everything about it. So I don't know all there is to know about it, but, um, and I'll let you maybe elaborate on a little bit, but uh, essentially it's, it's talking about the fact that some of the taglines that they used are, you know, Jesus loved the people that a lot of us are hating these days, right? It's, it's, it's trying to get people to recognize that all of uh, the strife that's going on in the world, right, politically and culturally and uh, between different groups, um, that we can't, in the name of religion, if you will, stop loving other people and stop reaching out to other people as believers. So I'll, I'll let you maybe expand on that a little bit. Well, yeah, I think that, um, you know, what I've seen is that it's a, uh, matter of fact, I was just studying something from the Sermon on the Mount about uh, Jesus talking about um, if you've been forced to walk a mile with somebody, walk two miles. Mm. And and the real context of that is that uh, a Roman soldier legally could uh, force a Jew to carry his pack for him a mile. And a Roman soldiers mm. called Jewish people dogs. Mm. And so if you're going home at the end of the day, the Roman soldier could be sitting in there and go, hey, dog carry my back. Mm. And that's and then that's when Jewish says, Jesus said walk 2 miles, not just one. And that your father may be glorified. And so he was Jesus is the one that sort of reached out to all the people and mm. set the set the parameters completely different yep. than um what we do today, honestly. Right. Right. Well, I'm I encourage folks to maybe take a look at that website he gets us.com and See what you think, and I'm going to certainly read into it a little bit more. Maybe it's something we can talk about a little bit more later in the week. But uh, but this idea that we never want to be accused as Christians um, of being unloving, and I think I think what happens is because Christians follow Jesus and and adhere to God's word, as we have talked about so many times on SWAT. That's one of our our first pillar is the word of God, right? Uh, that SWAT is is built on, um, that that we we get accused of hating other groups or being right. bigoted or being anti this or anti that, and really what what the the message of the gospel is, we're all in the same boat. All of humankind is in the same boat. Whether you belong to this lifestyle or that lifestyle, or whether you belong to this political group 
or that political group, everybody who ever lived is in the same boat. Romans 3.23, if I've got my verse right, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the idea that apart from Christ and apart from faith in Christ and the work that he's done for us, and we're going to talk about this this week, but what Jesus has done in his lordship. But apart from that, we are all separated from God and under his just wrath. And and so, but but what's become clouded in all of this is that message, that that the message of the gospel. And and people are, are portraying Christians as hate-filled and divisive and this and that. And that's what happens, I think, when the word of God is proclaimed rightly. It is going to divide people. It is going to, and so we have to respond with either, yes, I'm a sinner and I need Christ, or how dare anybody tell me that I'm a sinner and I, I don't need him, right? So anyway, I, I, there's a lot more we can delve into on that topic, I know. On a much lighter note, uh, my my favorite commercial was uh, the Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts commercial where he's working <laughs> working in the drive-thru in Medford, Massachusetts. So as a Massachusetts guy, that was a funny commercial for me because – he doesn't have to work at the accent. He can just do it naturally. And I don't know if you saw that one, but I was thinking about the one that made, made me think of the one where the the T-Mobile commercial with um, who was it with his mom, and they did all the outtakes. Yeah, that of, was uh, Brad Cooper. Brad Cooper. Yeah, and that his was mom. cute. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was funny. That was funny. So, yeah, in the in the Ben Affleck when he's working at Dunkin' Donuts and he's talking to all the people in the drive-through. And, you know, doing the great Boston accent, you know. So you want two Crullas and a large regular, you know. And uh, and then people would pull up and some people, most of the people, of course, recognized him. And people were taking pictures with him and one guy doesn't recognize him. But then at the end, you know, he's married to Jennifer Lopez. She pulls up and she says, is this what you do when you tell me you're going to work? <laughs> And he says, basically, come on, you're embarrassing me in front of everybody here. And she says, come on, get in the car. But first, get me a glazed donut. So that was that was pretty funny. So anyway, yeah, there were some there were certainly some clever ones. Well, anyway, the hype is over. I was driving in, uh, listening to the radio and uh, the sports radio station in Jacksonville is already talking about how many days to the combine. Yeah, the scouting combine and how many days till the draft. So it it, it really never ends. I have it? seen the, uh, the, <laughs> the projections for next year. The Jaguars are like one of the top five teams predicted to have a potential to make it to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully that'll that'll pan out. There's a lot of excitement here in Jacksonville about the Jaguars. Well, we're coming up on our first break. Uh, we're going to be getting into Acts chapter 21 verses 1 to 16. We want to remind you of our phone number here. It's 844-777-7928. That's 844-777-SWAT. If you have a comment or a question as we get into uh, today's uh, text, uh, or if you have anything to to say about what we've been talking about here in the first uh, segment of the broadcast, we appreciate you listening, whether you're listening on WMOX or WMER in Meridian, Mississippi which is where Doug is is heading this week. Uh, WPMH, which is the lighthouse in Chesapeake, Virginia. WTRJ here locally in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and Folkestone, Georgia. Uh, You can also listen to us at SWATradio.com. You can hear past programs at SWATradio.com. Thanks to our good friend James Grimm out in Idaho who takes care of the website for us. And you can also find out about the location and times of the weekly SWAT Bible study meetings. 
We are going to be right back after the first break to dive into Acts 21. Come on back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. to SWAT Radio, everyone. David Gray and Craig Henderson, happy to be with you here on a Monday afternoon from Jacksonville. And glad you're listening, no matter where you are uh, or how you're listening to us. We appreciate you being with us. And uh, before the break, we talked about that uh, we've uh, kind of finished up with Acts chapter 20. And uh, we're going to be getting into Acts chapter 21 here this week. Um, Just uh, by way of looking forward, Craig, you and I are here today. We'll be back Wednesday and on Friday, Doug is, and I'll uh, talk about who's going to be on the replays, but there will be a replay on Tuesday uh, and Thursday this week with Craig and I here with you live on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Uh, last week, uh, just by way of review, as we get into uh, this week's uh, text, we were looking at uh, Acts chapter 20 verses 28 to 38 and just to, uh, I think it's always helpful to do a little bit of review um, as we get into the new chapter. Um, but this is the end of chapter 20 last week where Paul um, is on his way back to uh, Jerusalem. And he's he's left Ephesus and he's found out about a plot by the Jews to try to kill him. And he's taken kind of a circuitous route, which is going to cost him time in getting back to Jerusalem. And he's not going to make it back to Jerusalem for Passover um, but he's trying to get back for Pentecost. And at this point, he is in a place called Miletus at the end of chapter 20. And he has sent for the Ephesian elders um, to give them a final uh, sermon and give them a final farewell. And we remember that he's been with them for three years and pouring his heart and soul into his relationships with them and making disciples of them and, and, and teaching them um, from from God's word and and uh, teaching them about uh, the the full counsel of God, as he says, he he talks about the fact that he hasn't withheld anything from them and that uh, he's given them all the information uh, so that they will be complete in their understanding and and last week um, and we saw that 
Paul is, I thought this was interesting, Craig, when Doug said this is the only recorded sermon of Paul's where he is not evangelizing, where right. he's preaching to the church. Yeah, that was pretty amazing that uh, this is the one that is two other two believers and not to a group of non-believers mixed in with other people. Yeah, That's right. It's really powerful. That's right. So we saw Paul the pastor teacher in this sermon as opposed to Paul the evangelist. Now, Paul is always evangelizing, and there's always an evangelical message in whatever he says, but uh, but he is he is really providing um, a farewell and instruction to the Ephesian elders on the future of the church, and he's and and he's passing the baton, if you will, to these churches, the church at Ephesus, and also the churches in in Asia. Um, he had disciples with him that would go on to become the leaders of the churches in Asia, and and we think about those churches at Laodicea and Thyatira and and Philadelphia and uh, Pergamum and Smyrna. These and those are all, of course, names familiar from the Book of Revelation when Jesus writes uh, dictates letters to each of these churches through John in the Book of Revelation. But the guys that were his disciples that he made in Asia and that traveled with him became the leaders of these churches, and they were with him in addition to the uh, Ephesian elders. And so last week we, we looked at the fact that, that through Paul, God calls us to prioritize our personal character and growth. Um, in verse 28a of chapter 20, um, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves. And, um, you know, it's interesting that he that he starts with that. He's going to go on and talk about the danger of false teachers and the and the danger of false teachers coming from without and from within the church. And so this idea that he wants them to pay careful attention to their own character and growth. So A, they can distinguish false teaching um, from what is true and right if you know if they can't do that if they're not paying attention. And also so they don't fall into the trap of possibly becoming a false teacher, which Maybe we'll talk about a little more in a second, but I know you had something on that topic that you wanted to mention. Yeah, I heard something I thought that really speaks to the importance of character, and uh, it's sort of a, it's a little bit of a word um, rhythm. That, so it says, "Watch your thoughts; they become your words. Watch your words; they become your actions. Watch your actions; they become your habits. Watch your habits; they become your character." Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. And I thought that was really good about really going back when you're talking about how I how I build my character and how it really starts. Yeah. You know? And so yep. with with his the the encouragement to really focus on character really starts what we spend our time in, where yep. our thoughts are. Yeah. That's really good. And and I can think about times, unfortunately, when I haven't watched those things and and it's led to problems in those areas for my for for me. So I, uh, you know, that very very true. That's a a great thing to remember. We, we'll have to mention that again as the week goes on because I'm sure everybody <laughs> could stand to hear that with me at the top of the list. <laughs> well, uh, for me too, more than once. Um, the second item from last week, the second main point in that passage was Paul calls us to prioritize our provision and care of his church. Right, verse 28b talks about caring for the flock. Uh, which he, meaning God and Jesus, obtained with his own blood. Um, again, this idea that that uh, we are not our own, the Scripture says, we were bought at a price, and that and that Christ 
bought us back uh, with the payment of his own blood. Um, and I, I, I don't, I know for myself, I, I, I tend to things that are taught to us as, as uh, youngsters. And as we learn in the church and we grow up become sometimes too rote, if you will, but that, that phrase that he bought it, he obtained it with his own blood. I should be amazed and thankful and thrilled at that every day. Yeah, it it is an amazing gift that uh, all too often, like I know for me, I take it for granted sometimes. Yeah, you know, and and that's there's an enormous cost um, that Christ paid for me, and I really need to really realize that that's something that can never be, I can never take for granted. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about the lordship of Jesus this week, mm-hmm. and 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 being all in and being fully surrendered, not only to Christ as Savior, but as Lord. And and he he's Lord anyway, but the fact that he did this and obtained the church by payment of his own blood, certainly, <laughs> I mean, to say he's worthy of our surrender to his lordship is seems so like such an understatement. But but it's another uh, element of his character and his and his person that uh, that that. Uh, puts us under his lordship and, and should make us eager to be under his lordship. And uh, the, the passage there goes on to say he made us, the Holy Spirit made us overseers um, of the church to, to look out for it. And really mean, what he means by that is teaching and explaining the scripture correctly. Because in this context, he goes on again to talk about ferocious wolves coming in. And that's the third point, uh, our protective concern for guarding his truth. Um, in that passage, Paul goes on to say in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And, you know, this idea of fierce wolves, and I I know we talked about this, but where where have you heard that description of false teachers before other than from Paul? Yeah, I mean, it's, and it is, it's so true that, um, you know, there's sin throughout the world and the church as well. And then we have to be the guardians. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the ones that really, that, uh, are focused on the truth and help the church stay aligned with what Christ's words are and yeah. desires are for us. Yeah. I, uh, I put you on the spot there, but I, I, I taught on this last week. So I have the note right in front of me, <laughs> G- Jesus in Matthew 15, you know, referred to false teachers as, Matthew seven fifteen, sorry, wolves. as ravenous wolves and right and 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 this idea that they lead people away from the truth and twist the word, and isn't that what Satan does? He doesn't. He's very clever, mm-hmm. and he takes things a lot of times that sound good, and he perverts them and twists them so that they're not true, but that they are very capable of fooling people if we don't know the scriptures well, and that's another reason to to know it well. So, um. And and what I thought was interesting, I never would have known this, but Doug pointed it out, that Paul later on in Timothy, when Timothy has become the pastor of the church in Ephesus, and Paul writes to Timothy in First and Second Timothy, he writes about false teachers and watching out for false teachers at Ephesus. And it's very possible that some of the men that Paul is writing about were present at this meeting it, yeah. here at Miletus and heard Paul's warning, but became false teachers Allowed that rose themselves up to yeah. slip exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't think i don't think anybody necessarily intends to do that 
but it can happen if if we're not careful, and that's why that passage ends with with be alert. Um, and I, I might have I probably mentioned this last week, uh, both at the study and 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 on the radio program. But when counterfeiters, when guys that work to to guard against counterfeit bills, uh, in you know when they when they work in that department of the government, um, they study real bills far more than they study counterfeit. So that when they see a counterfeit bill, they can recognize it as not the real thing. And I just thought that's, that's a, a great analogy a for great analogy. for how we should know the scriptures. We should know the real thing so well that when something isn't right, our antenna go up. We immediately our, can spot the difference. Exactly, exactly. And then finally, uh, the last point from last week was that Paul calls us to prioritize our purified commitment to God's work. And, and Paul goes through kind of what he demonstrated in front of the Ephesians during the three years that he lived there, that he didn't covet their money, um, that he worked hard and helped others, and that he had a tremendous impact um, on the Ephesian elders. Uh, he, Paul says in verse uh, 35, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then that passage ends with the elders crying and weeping over him and praying for him because they know they're not going to see him anymore. And so this idea that Paul, he walked the walk, right? He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. His life, nobody could ever point at his life and say, ah, well, you say this, but you do this. Right. And uh, that's that's a big priority God's calling us to there. Yeah, I think that really is where character stands out, isn't it? Where as far as when you walk the walk, it really is your character yeah. that people see. Right. For Paul, like Doug has said, it wasn't about methods and and a, a trickery or ways of speaking. It was about his life and who he was. And his right. words were just a reflection of what his life was. So anyway, there's our review from last week. We're going to get into Acts 21 when we come back. Glad you're with us here on SWAT Radio, David Gray and Craig Henderson. Give us a call at 844-777-7928 if you have a comment or a question, and we will be right back after the news. David Gray and Craig Henderson with you here in our third segment of our broadcast. And we are looking today at Acts chapter 21, verses 1 to 16. We've just been talking a little bit about uh, a, a review of, of last week's text, uh, which was Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 38. Uh, in the text today in chapter 21, we see that Paul is going to be uh, on his way back toward Jerusalem. Um, from Miletus after meeting with the Ephesian elders and some of the stops that he makes along the way and 
and the people that he talks to. And the theme, I think, for this week, and as it is so often uh, in a lot of Doug's teaching, and, uh, and in the Bible's teaching, of course, I shouldn't say Doug's teaching, it's Doug's teaching of Scripture, is that Paul is completely surrendered to the lordship of Jesus and, and God's will for his life. You've, you've heard Doug many times use the term, are, are we all in for mm-hmm. Christ? Yeah. Um, even if it includes suffering or imprisonment, and we're going to see that in this uh, text, Paul knows that that's coming. He knows it's coming, but he is all in and fully surrendered to Jesus, uh, despite the fact that he knows um, he's going to suffer, be imprisoned, and ultimately die for Christ. And so, uh, Craig, I know we were talking before the break uh, or, or during the break a little bit about four different types of surrender that we might see among people, uh, not just today, but in, in, in yeah. all times. Yeah. I mean, if we look, if we even look at scripture, there's uh, there's sort of something called the incomplete surrender. And that's, that's uh, probably exemplified in uh, with Demas in second Timothy four ten, where, where Paul writes, for Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Mm. He's not fully surrendered. You yeah. know, he is just, it's incomplete. He's not all in, as, yep. as you used, or, or yeah. in that case. Yeah. Um, That's a sobering, sobering passage and a sobering thought that it, it and again, I don't want to get too far off track. And as, as I like to say, this is a, uh, a lesson for another program, but, <laughs> but the passage is a passage in Hebrews that talks about those that have been influenced or exposed to the Holy Spirit or exposed to the Holy Spirit's gifts and teaching and, and the benefits of it. And, but ultimately they don't, they don't believe or they turn away. And, um, and there's a lot of people that that passage has been debated. Oh, is this saying that you can lose your salvation? And of course we know that that's not true. And we know that Jesus says none that the father has given me will ever slip through my hands. But but it's a passage, and maybe Demas falls into that category of someone who, because Paul wrote highly of him in other places, and and uh, we don't know if anything positive happened maybe toward the end of his life, but, right. but this idea that you can be exposed to it's the like, gospel and be influenced by it but never truly believe. It's like the sower of the seeds, you know, right. and, and where the seed gets sown. Right. You know, That's and right. if it's uh, either among the among the thistles or on the hard road, yep. you know, it, it sprouts up but then doesn't take roots. Yeah, yep. That's why the Bible says make your calling and election sure. doesn't mean work for it, but it means, you know, examine yourself to see yeah. if you're in the faith. So I know there was a second type of surrender here that you wanted to mention. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about uh, – it talks about insincere surrender. And that's really the case. Uh, Peter's probably the best example of that um, on the night uh, that Jesus was betrayed when he was like, surely, Lord, I will never forsake you. Mm-hmm. You know, all the others will fall away, but not me. And that was really Peter before the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? Yeah. You know, yep. you know, as much as he wanted, it just, yep. you know, it's, it, it's not, it was something that he wasn't able to fulfill. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, and both of those, you know, both incomplete surrender and insincere surrender, it's convicting to me. I'm sure it is to you, too, to recognize that these that I have been guilty of both of these things at various times in my life. And, uh, you know, back to that first one with incomplete surrender, the the idea that we hold on to aspects of our heart or, or, or certain things that we like, right, that are whether there are secret sins or secret 
um, disobedient acts or, or whatever they are that we don't want to surrender to, to, to Jesus. And, right. and I've certainly been guilty of that in my life, but that he wants all of our heart, right? That that's what God is really after in transforming us is that he wants our whole heart. And then the insincere surrender that how many times in my life have I said, it's almost like I'm guilty of trying to make deals with God, right? <laughs> this idea that, you know, oh, if, if I'm, I'm definitely going to do this, if you just help me get through this, you know, situation, which is totally the wrong way to think. But another example of it, the one of, that you gave of Peter is really good, but also, Jesus told a parable of two sons where their father asked them to do something. I, yeah. I, I'm just generalizing here and keeping it high level. But one, one said he would do it and acted enthusiastic about it, but then didn't do what his father asked. And the other one kind of grumbled and complained initially, but then did it. And the idea was, which one is the one who did the father's will? And, of course, it's the one who actually acted Act, and, and did took, what took the father action. asked. That's right. right. So. So we don't necessarily get penalized for sometimes not wanting to do certain things. The uh, the key is, do we do it or not? Right, right. So. Well, there's another type of surrender that we talked about, and that was called, that's intermittent surrender. And, and that really is uh, exemplified in Revelations chapter 2 with the church at Ephesus, you know, where he uh, says, I know the works, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and are not and are found to be false. I know your enduring patience bearing up any in the name and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you abandoned the love you had at first. Mm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's that it's almost like the hot and cold, you know, yes. the, and there are seasons of change kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Letting the circumstances of life affect sure. our surrender, how we surrender to Jesus. And, and um, yeah, but I, I thought Doug made an interesting point about that. Jesus says that this is what I have against you. You've left your first love, but he says, repent yes, and do what you did at first. And right. so go back. Yeah. I think the and Doug has talked about this a lot and this has meant a lot to me over the years in, in, in being taught by Doug. And that is repent quickly. Um, I, I tend to, I have tended in my life to, you know, after sinning or, or, or really screwing up, not immediately going back to God and repenting, but almost acting like, well, I've got to show him for a week or so that I'm sincere about this (laughs) and then I'll get my act cleaned up a little bit and then I'll go back and repent, which is completely ridiculous, completely against what the Bible teaches. There's nothing I can do as someone in Christ, first of all, to make God love me more or to impress God more. Um, We know that repentance for the believer is a humbling of ourselves. It's a taking the right posture before God, and it is opening back up the lines of communication with God. I always think of the scene where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and we've talked about this before. And at first, Peter says, no way. Is Peter again? Yeah, it's it. yeah. <laughs> no way am I going to let you do this, Jesus, because it was such a menial task. And Jesus says, if you don't let me do it, then you don't have any part in me. And Peter says, well, then give me a bath. The whole thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. And Jesus says, you're already clean. You don't need a bath. That's right. Essentially, he says, you just need your feet cleaned up once in a while. And I think that's a real picture of 
who we are as believers. We are clean, past, present, and future. God views Jesus when he looks at us. We're counted as righteous already, and yet the experience we have is not that. We are still sinners. We're living in a sinful world, and and we need to confess sin to God from the standpoint of humbling ourselves before him and keeping our relationship and communication with him open. And uh, I just think that that, that intermittent, well, we're talking about repentance and that when we do have intermittent surrender, we can repent quickly. Amen. That's and, right. That's so. really, that's a great point. That's a great point. And then, of course, that what, what we see in Paul is fully surrender, and that's total surrender. You know, and that's, the, that's Jesus. That's Stephen. That's yeah. Paul. You know, that, that nothing stood in their way. Not circumstances, not people around them, not their environment, you know, and stayed fully surrendered yeah. To, yeah. to their life in Christ. <laughs> conviction maybe versus belief right yes you might yeah. believe something but are you willing to go all the way for it are you willing to die for it conviction is it it doesn't matter what happens i'm not going to change yeah my belief my 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 belief and it's going to drive me as we're going to see in a singular purpose uh, whatever the end may be whatever the end god has i think of again you two examples of course of Jesus in the garden and scripture says he could have, you know, nobody took his life from him. He gave it up on his own, but the agony that he must've felt in the garden, um, certainly with knowing the physical torture that was coming, Mm -hmm. but I think even more than that, knowing the spiritual agony that he was, was coming, that he who knew no sin was about to, have become sin for us and have the wrath of God on all believers in all time poured out on him in the, in the span of three hours. What was that like? Yeah. And Jesus could have easily walked away from that. And he said, not my will, but yours. So, um, I, we just have a couple minutes left, Craig, and I'm going on too long here. Why don't we read, um, the passage if we can, I think we can probably get it in, but acts uh, 21 verses one to 16. And then we'll talk about that when we come back. And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to course and the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing to Venetia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we came in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed in Tyre. For there the ship was unloaded, unloaded its cargo. And having sought out disciples, we stayed there seven days and through the spirit they we're telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went our journey, and there and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another, and then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Potamus and greeted the brothers and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we put tarp departed and came to Caesarea. We encountered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who who was with seven, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. We were staying with them many days. A prophet named Angabus came down from Judea and 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 coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his feet and hands and said, thus the Holy says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns the belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. 
and we had heard this, we and the people urged him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul said, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I already, I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he was not be persuaded, we ceased and called and let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Manasseh of, Cyper, of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. We just got it in. Great job. Sorry, I put you up against the clock there. We'll be right back on SWAT Radio. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. SWAT Radio is underwritten in part by The Guardian Group. You know Brad Sykes as the co-host of SWAT Radio. While Brad is committed to making disciples both on and off the air, his ministry extends into the marketplace as a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Southside. Brad and his wife Vicki are real estate agents in Northeast Florida and are the founding partners of The Guardian Group. They help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate. The Guardian Group, with offices near Butler and Southside Boulevards, 904-580-7255. And online at guardiangroupjacks.com. The Guardian Group, happy to bring you SWAT Radio on the truth. broken sky traced out by the city lights my world from a mile high best seat in the house tonight touchdown in the cold black top hold on for the sudden stop breathing the familiar shock of confusion and welcome back to SWAT radio everyone David Gray and Craig Henderson with you Doug McCary is out this week and uh want to encourage you to remember to pray for Doug as he's uh back in Mississippi, uh, dealing with his family and ministering to his family uh, as his mom and dad are both uh, dealing with some uh, significant health issues. So we want to make sure you're keeping Doug in your prayers and and Doug's family. You know, I wanted to mention this. I meant to mention in the opening um, that uh, The Chosen, I know you have, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but you are watching season three now and Uh the two two final episodes are out, including... uh, 
episode eight of season three, and uh, Doug's wife Lori is an extra in that uh, in that episode. So I've got to go back and see if I can, see spot, if you can her. spot her. In She's there. in a big crowd, so I gotta I gotta figure <laughs> out a, see if there's any tips Doug can give us to to how, find her how in the find crowd. Her. That's yeah, right. that's great. That's great. Well, I put uh, Craig up against the clock there. That was like a game show, putting you up against the clock there to read the uh, scripture passage. But we got it in Acts 21, uh, verses 1 to 16. And uh, we were saying before the break that uh, this passage uh, has uh, some different points that we want to bring out this week. But that uh, the main point that runs through it is that Paul is completely surrendered to the lordship of Jesus and to the will of God for his life, um, even if it includes suffering, imprisonment, and even death. Um, and as we said, Doug has used the phrase a lot over the years, are we are we all in for Jesus? And we just talked about four different types of surrender that, that we see uh, both in Scripture, right, and in the world, uh, incomplete surrender, um, maybe a willingness to surrender part of ourselves to, to Christ, but not all of ourselves, insincere surrender, maybe saying one thing but not being willing uh, to, to follow through in action, um, intermittent surrender, uh, we and don't, I know Doug made the point that he thought that's probably where most of us fall. Yeah, where you know we know our Christian walk is up and down sometimes. Uh, hopefully, the idea is it's always going in the right direction, but it's it's uh, sometimes quicker, sometimes slower, and sometimes we get off the path a little bit. And we use the example Craig you read from uh, Revelation about Jesus' letter to the church um, at Ephesus about losing its first love, and I think right. that that is uh, something that I know applies to me often. Me and, uh, and and the key there is to, to repent quickly and, and get back on track. And and the and then fourthly, total surrender. And we use the uh, examples of Jesus, of Paul, of Stephen, um, of James, uh, all these, all these uh, apostles and, and, and early church fathers that, that lost their lives for the faith. It's, it's like our conviction, no matter of, regardless of our circumstances. Right. right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I, and you and I were talking earlier about maybe some more modern examples of total surrender. I think of a guy like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, who uh, the book, by the way, Eric Metaxas is the author I was trying to think mm-hmm. of with Craig. Yeah, if you've never read that, Eric Metaxas wrote a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer that is uh, really a terrific book and, and, and a great example of someone totally surrendered to Christ to the point where he, he lost his life mm-hmm. uh, for defending the faith. Uh, against false teaching and against uh, um, against a, a church in, in Germany that had arisen that was really no church at all. Right, so, yeah. And as we look at this passage, I think that, you know, there's three main points that we're going to be talking about as we go through the week. Um, and so I want to give those uh, to you now. To live a fully surrendered life, God calls us to live daily, and number one, with the knowledge of his purpose. So he calls us to live daily with the knowledge of his purpose. And what we mean by that is his purpose specifically for us as individuals. For our lives. Yeah. Yes. And um, I know sometimes, I, I know if you're like me, that might be a little daunting to try to think about what is that purpose. But um, I, I, one of the things that's really helped me is to know that God often reveals his purpose and in the works that he has for us through other believers, right? And through scripture, certainly, and through the guiding of the spirit, but also through other believers, which is why the community that we have with 
at SWAT and with other believers is so important. It's vital, yeah. And, and I'm so convinced that, you know, if, if we're walking in God's presence, that nothing around us happens by chance, right. you know, and that God has us where we are for a purpose. Yep. And so it's the people we're with, you know, the, the circumstances we face, you know, God walks with us through that yep. every time. God also calls us to live daily, uh, to live deliberately with the with singleness of his purpose, right? To what's driving the direction of our lives, right? right? Um, is, is it that single focus on God's purpose for our life? Is that driving us in kind of a single-minded way? Yeah. I mean, Paul is such a great example. Like even this, the verses that we read there where people are trying to talk him out of going to Jerusalem and yet he knew that was where God was calling him to go mm. and didn't allow that to distract him from his, from God's purpose in his life. We see people living for all kinds of singleness of purpose, oh. right, in the world today, sure. whether it's money, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, whether it's their job, whether it's, you know, um, you name it, right? And, and, and we're not saying that any of those things in and by themselves are bad. They're all, they're part of life, right? We work. We have money. God knows we need it, right? The Bible says we have relationships, right? But these are all under the umbrella of our, I almost said umbrella with my best New England, <laughs> all under the umbrella of our relationship with Christ and of the of that purpose that God has for our life. You know, but what I was thinking as you were saying that, 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 um, that if we're in the world, the singleness of purpose is ever-changing. You know, it's, it is, like when you mentioned, whether it's money, mm-hmm. whether it's relationship right. or something like that, there's always some other purpose that becomes the focal point at the time, and that that's a constant distraction for us mm-hmm. from God's purpose. Right, right. That's a great point. And then finally, uh, God calls us to live dyingly with the supremacy of his purpose. Live dyingly with the supremacy of his purpose so that even my own life becomes secondary to God's purpose. Um we think of Paul, you know, in Scripture writing that, that, that to live is Christ, but to die is gain, right? Um, Doug has used the example before, and I've met his friend John Monger, who, as a new Christian, young Christian, you know, was was imprisoned and either it was either in 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 East India or in Nepal. I think he was originally from Nepal, but. John was a, a relatively new Christian, and basically he was beaten every day for months, I think over a year, mm. um, and told that he could go if he would renounce his faith. And essentially the phrase he came back with, if I'm not mistaken, was, how can I renounce my Jesus? Right. Mm. Something along those lines. Yeah. But he referred to him as my Jesus. And Boy, when it becomes that personal, that's that's boy, that, that's a goal for all of us, right? To have that relationship with Christ be that personal to where nothing nothing knocked John off his single mindedness of, of purpose. So, anyway, um, we want to dive into that first point here in our last segment uh, for a few minutes, and then we'll talk about these other ones as the week goes on. But this idea that uh, God calls us to live daily with the knowledge of His purpose, so. Craig, I know you uh, you actually taught on this last week, so I'm going to let I did. you start in on this. Well, I think one of the things that, um, you know, really understanding his purpose uh, is, is there's a bit of clarifying in that, and it comes out of 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, when it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, 
Paul calls himself his prisoner of the Lord, mm. um, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, uh, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. And I think that uh, it's a manifest his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And so it really is, it's a holy calling that -hmm. God gives us. And that's really the, that's his purpose for our lives. And I think you're right that each one of us has an individual purpose. Yeah. Mine's not the same as yours, you know, and we're not the same as Doug's, but God has called us for a purpose and it's his purpose and, and how we manifest and shine the, the, the love of Jesus on a world that is, it's sinful and broken. Yeah. You know, and, and there's Doug pointed this out and I agree. I think there's a lot of Christians that might think that people like pastors have callings, right. And that the professionals, if right. you will yeah. have a calling on their life. But, uh, you know, Doug made the point and I, I absolutely agree that, that if we belong to him, we have a holy calling on our life. And, and I know that's a lot of what you were just talking about. Now, it, it looks different for different people. That reminds me of the scriptures that teach about the different parts of the body. Right. Right. That, that the body is made up of different parts. We have different gifts, but that we each have a calling and that God determines what that looks like. I like that Doug uses the term kingdom priests. Hmm. You know, that's that's who we are. I mean, we're, we're in a world and we are the ones that God uses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have reached the end of our hour, always the fastest hour of the day for me when when we are fortunate enough to be here. Craig, thanks for being here. Uh, We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll continue to go through this passage. Uh, There'll be a replay tomorrow um, uh, and on Thursday, and I am just looking to see real quick who that is going to be. But tomorrow will be a replay of Dr. Owen Strahan. And Thursday will be Allison Hale, a church-based missionary who works with human trafficking victims. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. And That's Craig and very I will interesting. Be, I think I heard that one originally. Craig and I will be back on Wednesday. Thanks for joining us on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's work to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual.